0: talk about risk-taking today. Uh, as you get your Bibles open, Luke 4.18, hold your place right there. Uh, I want to talk about risk-taking because risk-taking is simply a part of life. It is. It is. I mean, when you buy a car in North Texas, you are taking a risk because you know at some point there's going to be a hailstorm and that, and that car is going to be buffeted, right? Yeah, that, that's a risk. When you, uh, you know, when, when you decide to have a baby, uh, there's a risk there because you know that child is going to be with you a long time, and that child is going to take a lot of resources to help get them up and going and get them through life, correct? Yes, yes, that's, that's the truth. Uh, you know, you, if, you, if you buy a refrigerator, you know at some point it's going to break down at the most inopportune time, like Friday night, Early Saturday morning, so it's in the middle of the night, and I I'm parched. I, I go downstairs to get myself some water, and, and it's like you know you're in the dark. You know where the glass is. I go over to the refrigerator to get my nice. Fresh filtered water, and I push it, and it doesn't go. Nothing happens, and the light doesn't turn on. And oh, what's wrong with this thing? And, and I open the refrigerator, the lights aren't on, and then I'm noticing everything seems to be at the wrong temperature in there. And and, and I, I, I really didn't like it at that moment, and so I got ahead and g- went ahead and went the old-fashioned way, you know, where you get it from the faucet, like we used to. Those of you who have been around for a while, get it from the faucet, or just go out ho- go outside and get some from the hose. That's, that's actually how, how I grew up, but, and I'm still, it didn't mess with me very bad, it really didn't, but and I guess I was from Texas, and so all the chemicals from the hose, it's still in my body, and I'm still doing okay, guys, yeah, so, but I, I went ahead and, and drank that, drank my water, and, and then I thought, my refrigerator and freezer doesn't work, what am I going to do, and I looked, and I opened it up one more time, I thought, okay, I'm letting all this cold air out, and I look at all this stuff that's in here, and I closed it again, and I, d- I so I went and sat down. What what am I gonna do? I, I was still fuzzy, I was still have a sleep. Like, I, I thought I'll just go back to sleep and deal with this in the morning. It's like, oh no, 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 because then all the ice from the ice maker will be it'll be it'll be wet all over. It'll be a mess, it'll be a disaster and everything will be ruined and So I had to sit there and process, wake myself up and process what to do, and finally, and that was started at 2 a.m. Finally, by 4:30 a.m., I had the refrigerator and the freezer cleared out. I had my plan all going. Stuff was iced down, and stuff was put in other places where it could stay, stay, be taken care of, and and I don't, we didn't lose very much. I just threw out you know some stuff, but. But put it there and went right back to sleep and, and, and uh, went to sleep. And then at then about 4, and I went right to sleep at 4.45, Rebecca then comes and wakes me up. She said, I just went downstairs, and the refrigerator's messed up, and it's a mess. I was like, I know, I know. I, I really want to sleep right now. No, but you don't understand. It's not like, stop. I just, please, I've been up all night with that dumb thing. I want to get some sleep. And, and so she says, well, okay. I was like, yes, Okay. You know, stuff like that just happens. You, 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 and I, I was thinking about that when, when it was all happening. It's like you just know that at some point the refrigerator is going to die. And then of course it's going to die on the weekend. And then how are you going to find a repairman on the weekend? Thank goodness at 8 a.m. I called somebody and they were, actually I called several places. No answers. Finally called one and, and uh, got you know got the answer that I needed. But those things happen. But I'm not talking about that kind of lame risk-taking, the risk-taking of buying a refrigerator or buying a car that will definitely get hail damage at some point. Those of you who are new to North Texas, welcome to, the, to, the, to, the, to the, the, just the central area of hail in, in, in America. And I did not say hell, all right? But those are ordinary risks. But what about anointed risks? Well, today's message is entitled, The Power of Anointed Risk-Taking, and I am praying that God's going to speak something specific to you about a risk that is anointed by God that you're supposed to take, and it could be huge, it could be small, I don't know where it is, I don't know what it is, it might, seem, it might not even seem like a risk to somebody else, but to you it is, but God's going to speak to you about that today. But I'm not just talking about risk-taking, the, the key word is anointed risk Taking now the word anointed in the New Testament comes from the Greek word creo. Say creo, say it creo. Now you have spoken Greek, you are more educated than you were 10 seconds ago. Creo means this. So, every time you see the word anointing or anointed in the New Testament, here's what it means it means to be set apart and supernaturally empowered to do great exploits for God. Now Again, that's it, but the important words are you're set apart and supernaturally empowered. Oh, I guess every part of it's good. To do. See, there's a verb there. Do is a verb. Do is a verb, correct? Now, sometimes people think that anointing is just something that's on your life and you just love it. And, 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 and you know, that, that word is thrown around quite a bit in church culture, church life. If you've been around church for a while, you've heard the word a lot, but this is what it means. This is what it means according to the New Testament. So, so when Jesus was starting his ministry, we find in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, I want you to look at it now, he gets up in a synagogue, and he opens up the, the, the scriptures, and he reads the scripture, and here's what he read, Luke four eighteen. and this is actually when Jesus is telling everybody what his job description is. Here's a little secret. The job description of Jesus has been passed along to every other believer, okay? So you're a believer in Jesus Christ. That job description that we're about to read is yours as well. But Jesus stands up, oh, and when Jesus says this, all of a sudden, it, it causes demons to start, like, yelling out. Because, like, no, <laughs> we don't want this. So, so, in other words, when you act on your job description, the enemy is going to hate you for it. But that's kind of cool. Isn't that kind of awesome? Hey, you've got an enemy in this world. Hell doesn't want you to, to do anything. But you're going to get out and do it anyway, aren't you, Hunter? That's right. Oh, yeah, come on. Yeah, I'm going to start calling out names today. Yeah, it's like like my dad used to do that. He called, I would be so scared that he would call my name, and he would. Isn't that right? But he would usually say, isn't that right, Tim or Timmy? And that would be when I was not paying attention when I was messing around, <sighs> playing football on the back row of the church with, you know, folding up a little thing. Okay. But I can see you from here. And I might call your name out if you're doing that, that here, but I don't think you would. All right, take a look at it. The Spirit, uh, Luke 4 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus is saying this because he has anointed me. And here's the do part to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And basically if if I take that word anointed and I I weave it back in here with its full definition, here's here's what it would mean. The spirit of the Lord is on me Because he has set me apart and supernaturally empowered me to do great exploits for God. This anointing will empower me to proclaim good news to the poor. This anointing empowers me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. I will set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So, okay, when you're anointed, this is important, you are set apart from the crowd for God and for his purposes, you are empowered by God to do exploits for him. Now, here's the big challenge. I, as I'm talking about taking anointed risks, the big question comes up is, is this, what is this risk that I'm about to do? Is this of God? Is this for God? I don't know. And that, that becomes a big question that people ask. I don't really know if God is in this or not. Well, today we're going to talk about how to know whether God is in this or not. Because, and I'm going to give you three ways to know. Here's the first one. Anointed risk-taking will bring justice to the marginalized and the afflicted okay that 's one of the things that 's one of the three things that anointed risk taking does. It brings justice to the marginalized and the afflicted now, as I was putting together this statement I, I I wrestled with it quite a bit because I felt like in many ways it was just it was kind of understated uh, and, and so I just want to expand it a little bit because it, really what it means it means to bring god 's justice to the hurting to those who are in poverty to those who are physically or mentally ill it means bringing ministry to the single mother or to the widow it means meeting the needs of of people in all lands and cultures and and other other places around the world it means lifting people up and protecting the vulnerable that's really what all that meant but i didn't want to be able to put that all into one statement there so when you do these things there is a risk involved though There's a risk. Uh, It could be a financial risk. It could be a risk of resources. It could be a risk of being misunderstood, uh, uh, even a risk of being taken advantage of. Uh, and, and, And some of you are called to take risks like what I just described. A good example in the Scriptures is Queen Esther she took a she took a huge risk like that and you can read her uh, entire story there's a book of the bible called Esther and and that's a that's an incredible book in the old testament but it's, it's where this lady took this anointed risk just to Try to briefly summarize the story, the King of Persia she was exiled into Persia. The King of Persia had been like coaxed into creating a law that every single Jew across the entire kingdom of Persia that they would be exterminated. That was uh, one of the first extermination plans of the jews uh, that that uh, that the enemy was trying to bring about and uh, and and she found out about it and at some point, you know, somebody's got to intervene or there are going to be thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Jews that would be annihilated. And the king didn't even know this, and she's the queen. king didn't even know that, but she was a Jew herself. And so she finds herself in this really interesting position. Uh, she decided to go ahead and, and take action, and in order to do that, she would actually have to approach the king 's throne and uh, and she wasn 't allowed to she was forbidden to approach the, the king 's throne nobody was allowed to come in unless the king had invited them in it didn 't matter if she was the queen or not, but she did it anyway she went in and ultimately she asked that the, that the uh, the Jews be spared and she even revealed that she was also a jew and 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 the king it, it just it was just an amazing story because it was all uh, it was all eliminated. The law was. But her attitude was this. Her attitude was this. She says, I will go to the king even though it's against the law. And if I perish, I perish. But I've got to do this. I've got to do this. And she didn't know how things were going to pan out. And tell you what, when you begin doing anointed risk taking, you are not going to know how things will pan out. And it doesn't always pan out perfectly and beautifully either. It doesn't. But she had to do that, and, and she came with the attitude of if I perish, I perish, but I'm going to do the right thing. She risked her life, and she ultimately saved thousands upon thousands of Jews from this, uh, this genocide plan that was, that was being launched. So here's a question to you. Is there something that you are supposed to do or something you're supposed to be doing that is an anointed risk that will bring blessing to people who may be marginalized or afflicted or who just need that extra help? Are you called to do something like that? Has something like that been stirring in your heart? All right. Here, here's a second one. Here's the here's second way to know if something, if a risk is really for God or or of God. And uh, this is the second one. Anointed risk taking will bring glory and honor to God. Ultimately it'll bring glory and honor to God. God's going to be exalted. You need to ask yourself, are people going to worship God as a result of this anointed risk that I'm going to take? (laughs) Uh, Will God be the focus? In Daniel chapter number three, there is an amazing story of three young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that was one of my favorite stories growing up, one of my favorite Bible stories. But these were three young Jewish men that had been exiled into the the, uh, the nation of Babylon. In fact, even the city of Babylon itself, the capital. And they were destined to serve under King Nebuchadnezzar for the rest of their lives. That's, that was really their... Their their future. And the king, he was a pagan king. He was a very evil king. And he he had erected this huge statue. It was this huge image of gold. And he commanded everyone. He says, when you hear this music play, everyone has to fall on their faces and begin to worship this image. Well, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they said, we're not going to do that. And so what they did is they took an anointed risk. Now, when the king found out that these guys were not doing that, and plus these guys were, were part of his his servants, uh, he, he threatened them. He said, if you don't worship this image, then I'm going to throw you into this furnace, this hot, burning furnace. Who knows what they did with it? It was probably for, for melting, you know, who knows what, but it wasn't built for people. But I'm going to throw you into this furnace, and you're going to burn to death. You're going to cook. So you need to bow down to the image. It's really interesting. In Daniel chapter 3, verse 17, uh, the guys basically said the same thing that Esther said. They said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Even, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty. See how they're even respectful as they're doing this? They're honoring the position They're honoring the position, although the guy is totally off his rocker. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And and the king was actually a little bit graceful. I mean, it says he was raging anger at that point, but he gave him one more chance. He goes, well, I still want to give you one more chance. And so he did the thing, okay, you got to play the music again, and da-da-da-da-da-da. Everybody falling on their face and worship you, beautiful golden image. You're so wonderful. And those guys are standing there going, we're not going to do this. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if God's going to deliver us. It's not. I don't know what's going to happen, but we are going to take this anointed faith risk. We're going to take this risk. And and uh, sure enough, Nebuchadnezzar got them and says, okay, you're going to be thrown into the fire, throws them in, and they survive. They don't just survive, they thrive. They're like walking around in there. And then this pagan king, here, here's the amazing part. Not just that God delivered them, but, they, but glory and honor to God was the result. Listen to what this pagan king did. He totally did a complete 180. Just listen to this. This is in Daniel chapter 3, verse 28. The whole story is in Daniel 3. You can read it on your own. But he said, after he got him out of the fire, he says, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him, and they defied the king's command. And they were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. (laughs) So he makes a new law. The kings just do that. Therefore, I decree... Listen to this. I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will be, hold on, cut into pieces and their houses will be turned into piles of rubble. For no God can save this way. And then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Whoa! Whoa! Now, that's extreme. That's extreme. I, I can see Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and like, no, 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 don't cut them to pieces. No, no, no. But the, the king just said, I'm like, no, I know what's good. And he began to give honor and praise to God. And God was honor. God received the glory. But here's another important thing to notice. Because sometimes we look at the promotion and we look at, the, at how they got promoted and good things are happening, but their promotion didn't happen until after they were in the fire and after they took that really incredibly difficult anointed faith risk. See, it wasn't about them. They, didn't, they, they did not, could not see into the future that they were going to get a raise. They didn't see that they were going to get a promotion. They didn't see any of that. It was fundamentally about no. I'm going to bring honor and glory to God. Not going to worship your statue. Love you, love you, King. But sorry, it ain't going to work. Okay, here, here's a third way. Now, th- this is a third way. Okay, re- Remember this is before I get into the third. Is there something that you have been that's been stirring in your heart that you know would bring honor and glory to God? Maybe you're you're, you're right on the edge of taking action with it. You know that people will worship God because of whatever it is that's in your heart or mind. Then that might be an anointed faith risk. Okay, here's, here's the third category. So you might know that it's God or, or it's of God if the anointed faith risk taking, if uh, anointed risk taking will display love for others in the body of Christ. That means it's going to display love for other Christians. Now, You simply cannot read the New Testament without finding over and over and over and over. You'll see this everywhere in the New Testament. One of the fundamentals that identifies Christians as being Christians is that they really have this incredible, deep, sacrificial, intense love for other Christians. Now, now, again, you, you kind of looked at the group that was up here. That was a bunch of mismatched people. I just got to tell you that just in case you were wondering. But the beauty of that is that's how God builds the church. In, in, in social structures and social groups, uh, there people like people hang out with each other, of the same age group or the people who dress alike and look alike and I w- this this week I walked into a social uh, event here in town that, that that I was invited to and I, I got to the social event immediately I could see I do not look like these people I don 't dress like these people, and these people all have their own friends and they were and I stood there and hang out tried to bu- get into conversations for about 15 minutes. I eventually left because nobody was going to give me the time of day. I didn't look like them, I wasn't dressed like them, I didn't act like them, and I, you know, I just wasn't for them. And so it's like, well, I, I like y'all, but man, this is crazy. So I'm just going to move on with my life. But you see, the body of Christ is different. It's very different. We, we display this intense love. Do you, when you first walked in this building, the first time you came here, did you feel like you were noticed and that somebody actually cared about you? Most people do. Now, if not, come talk to me about it. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hug, okay? But you, you you cannot read the New Testament without seeing this over and over and over again. It's one of the fundamentals of Christianity is this intense love for other believers. And the Apostle Paul dedicated his life to this purpose. I mean, his whole life was all about his this, this intense extraordinary love for God's people. And he took these unbelievable risks over and over and over. Now, you, 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 there, are, there are individual instances, but I kind of like this one place where it's, it's talked about in Second Corinthians where he just goes into detail about all the stuff that he goes through and he just kind of encapsulates it all because... <laughs> In fact, in fact, let me just tell you a little bit about that that passage of scripture, okay? He's writing to this church at Corinth. This is a church that he had planted some years earlier, probably about 10 years earlier or so. And he's telling them in this letter that he's writing to them, he just said, "I am actually jealous for you. I have this intense love for you. I have this godly, jealously jealous love for you guys. You guys, I you'd have no idea how much I love you." And he's, he's letting them know this. And, and then in the midst of it, he just said, and I will do anything for you. And so he goes on to describe what he has endured for them and for the other churches that he had started, these other believers. Listen to this. He says, he's, he says I've been in prison. I've had floggings. I've been exposed to death on multiple occasions five times I've had 39 lashes. I've been beaten with rods three times. I've been pelted with stones. I've been shipwrecked. I'm in danger from rivers. So we know it wasn't the Trinity River. And I've been in danger from bandits. I'm in danger in the city. I'm in danger in the country. I'm in danger from basically fake Christians, Christian posers. I'm I'm in danger from Jews and non-believers. I've gone without sleep. I've suffered from hunger and thirst, exposure to the elements. Plus, there's this constant pressure of concern for the churches that i planted and on and on and on and see paul did not know where the next blow was going to come from every day he was risking his life because he loved the other believers his life was constant risk paul was anointed risk taker you see paul shadrach meshach abednego as well as esther they are all examples of anointed risk taking but truth be told these are all extreme examples correct there they're they're extreme examples um But anointed risk-taking typically is going to come out with one of these three outcomes. Hear it again. And this this is the important part that you get into your heart. It's displaying love, intense love for the body of Christ, or it's a risk that is going to bring glory and honor to God, or it's a risk that's going to bring justice to marginalized and afflicted people. So here's the question for you. Let's take it home. What's stirring in your heart? What's stirring in your heart? Now, Please note, your risk does not have to be huge, but it's best that it is anointed. Um, a risk that you take will probably not make it into the annals of church history where people will be talking about you a thousand years from now, and there was that wonderful day when Lindsay Nunn got up there and she split the waters of the Trinity and then went both ways. Uh, it, it probably won't be there. I, that, would, I'm, that might happen, but you never know. But we need to start off even with the smallest risks. And I just just made a quick little list. Here, here's one: Tithe. That's a risk of tithing. Dedicate a portion of your business profit into ministry. Help someone who's on limited income. Serve in church ministry. Refuse to hide your witness. Minister to the children. Lead a small group. Exercise a buried skill or a talent or a gifting. You know, It could be music or production or something like that. Give up a Saturday morning for project day. I added that one this morning, remembering this. Uh, attend City Life 101 next Sunday evening. But in some ways, every single one of those things are a risk. They just are. I'm not going to call them names out, but someone this morning whom I love deeply said, I don't know, but I just have trust issues. It's like, yeah, don't we all? <laughs> don't we all? That's where the risk comes in. You have, there's the risk that you might be hurt or taken advantage of, and it's always there. But here's the truth. We also always have to start off with small risks. We don't start off with the big risks. And, and a small risk doesn't mean it's less in the eyes of God. That's the beautiful thing. A small risk is not like, well, God says, this person is wonderful and great, but you took some small risks. I mean, <laughs> whatever. No, now listen to this. Matthew chapter 25, verse 23, put it up here on the screens. This is what Jesus says. He's, he says, like, when you do a small risk, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Don't you want to hear that? You have been faithful with a few things. I think I'm going to put you in charge of many things now. Yeah. See, that comes as a result of being faithful and taking the smaller faith risks and showing and proving yourself to be faithful. See, God works in us incrementally. I know many of you have the desire to jump in forward, like I'm going to do like Paul or I'm going to do like Esther. But, uh, but you got to understand, there's a lot that preceded the extreme uh, anointed risk taking that those people take. The, 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 the scriptures don't even focus on that, but it's there. I mean, and, and now I, I, got, I need to bring up something else here. There is this very subtle trap that I just want to expose, I want to get it out there uh, of, of trying to make a deal with God. And it looks something like this it's a temptation where you pray this prayer God, make me rich or famous. So I can be more generous. And, and many times I've had people come to me and say, pray with me that, that I can be rich or famous or th- th- something like that. So that, I, so that I can then be more generous and that I can do this or I can do that. And, and, and it's like, okay, well, I want to pray for you, but that's just kind of a weird prayer. You know, the, the question I want to ask is, this is, is this about God or is this about you? You know? Is it about you looking good or is it about God looking good? You see, the deception is this. Is, well, when people see how awesome I am, then, then that's going to bring glory to God because then I'll be able to say, see, the reason I'm this way is because God blessed me. Yeah. And, and then I'm going to start talking about God like Tim Tebow does because that's how it worked with him, isn't it? I mean, he just goes out and plays football and he just does a really good job. And, and he talks about God and helps people. That's, that's what the plan is right here. That came to my mind earlier, and so I did a little bit of research. Like, what is the, where, there had to be some extreme risk-taking that happened in order for that to happen. I did my research. You know what I came up with? Oh, I couldn't find much on Tim Tebow's life. You want to hear about his mom? See, Tim Tebow is here because his mother was pregnant, and she took extreme faith risks. Anointed faith risks. The family had already taken big faith risks because they were missionaries in the Philippines. That's a third world country. Not a very good place to live. That was already a massive faith, uh, faith, uh, faith risk that they had been taking. While they were there in the Philippines um, this is before she was pregnant with him. She had, uh, she had contracted uh, amoebic dysentery. And she gets this in a third world country and is stuck down there. And so she begins taking their medications. And, and during that time of taking medications, she became pregnant. She became pregnant. And, and, uh, and during this time, because of the medications and how sick she was, there was something called severe placental abruption. In other words, the placenta has separated, and it's, and it's not good. Uh, the baby probably won't make it. She may not make it. It's, it's an extremely dangerous pregnancy. And the doctor said, you need to abort this child. You need to abort this child. That's the, really the best thing for you, the best thing. This, this child's going to be messed up if the child is even born or you're going to be messed up. You just need to abort this child. And she said, no. She said, no, I'm not going to abort this child. She took an anointed faith risk. She carried that baby to full term, and her and her husband prayed that that baby would have a powerful anointing of God upon him or her because they didn't know which one it was going to be. They believed that God was going to use this child for glory, and her anointed faith risk is why Tim Tebow is here today. Your anointed faith risk might not even have anything to do with your name being in lights because the only time I know of her, of his mother's name being in lights is she was a part of a Super Bowl commercial back in 2010 about the, about it was a pro life Super Bowl commercial. And then all of a sudden her family gets assaulted and, and, and mocked and ridiculed because she would dare say something pro life at the Super Bowl on a Super Bowl commercial. But that was when her name was finally out there, but she didn't even make it about her. She made it about God. You guys see how this works? Anointed, risk-taking, you may not get to see the beauty of it. But somewhere out there, there might be a miracle down the road because you're doing what God's called you to do. A couple of quick scriptures, Proverbs 16, 3. Here it is. This is about making it about God, not about you. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. In other words, don't try to figure it all out, but commit it to God. Commit it to God. And then here's another one, Proverbs sixteen nine. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. So God wants you to make plans, uh, but you make those plans with a reliance upon him. And he wants those plans here. Here, if it's an, Sometimes we take risks in life, again, and it's not an anointed risk-taking. It's just like, I'm going to buy a refrigerator. I know it's going to go out. I'm going to buy a car, and I know it's going to get hail damage. I just, oh, I just know. Okay, those are not the things I'm talking about here, okay? I'm talking about anointed risk-taking sometimes. If, if it fulfills these ultimate priorities of God, which would be glorifying Him, loving other believers, or seeking justice, if you're doing that, you should look for God to work with your plan. And please know, whatever your plan is, then God will say, okay, that's nice, now I'm going to tweak it, I'm going to adjust it, and I'm going to send you this way, and this way, and this way. He's going to send you through some detours, and you're going to hit some roadblocks and all kinds of things, because that's God's plan, that's God's way of carrying out the plan. So my anointed, <laughs> I, I made a few of, of anointed risks that I've taken, and one was when I started a children's church in, in our church when I was 13 years old, because it was anything for children, and, and, uh, and it, it was an anointed risk, because I, I just fell flat on my face, I messed things up really bad, and, and, and I you was know, a teenager, had like too many emotions going on with me, and some days I'd be happier, and some days I'd be sad about it, and I would just never, I just didn't, ah, this is so hard, why am I doing this, and... But again, <laughs> it was just a few years ago, someone reached out to me and said, I remember when I was in your kid's church. I don't even remember the kid, but I remember being in your kid's church. So I'll thank you for building that puppet stage. I'm like, I did build a puppet stage. Why did I build a puppet stage? I, but I did. Uh, another one was when I was pastoring in Missouri. And, and I, I tell you, I had a, had a nice salary, had a nice car, had a nice house. Everything was looking good. We had a, had a campus, a, a church with two campuses, 24-7 prayer ministry, all kinds of things are going good. And God said, okay, now I want you to, to leave here, and I've got a new plan for you. You're going to go south and start something new in the heart of a large city. And I'm like, okay, God, yay, how do we do this? And trust me, there were detours and ups and downs, and it was not easy. It was very, very, very difficult. Um, You know, and then getting here and doing a backwards church plant. And please understand, this is a backwards church plant. It's where we started off with a building with a lot of bills. And then we said, okay, we got to find some people to start coming in here. (laughs) That's why it took like four years before I even got a salary. It's like, this is is not easy. This is not. That's why I was working 100-hour weeks, working another job and working here, trying to make it happen. But I knew, I'm sorry, I'm willing to sacrifice and do what God's called me to do because this is for God. This is for God. Yeah, another anointed risk that that our church took was Faith Fest on Florence last uh, last last summer. Remember doing that? This year we're looking at doing it in the fall. So I mean, a little further down, but but uh, but just amazing, amazing things that we can do for God. There, and I'll tell you, there's always risk in stepping out, and you're going to be misunderstood. You you might be cursed and you might be rejected by people that you love. Uh, But if you don't step out on some level of anointed risk taking, Please know, ultimately, I believe you will go nowhere spiritually. In fact, I believe you will regress. You'll go backwards. It's important that we do this. Oswald Chambers, I have this little statement. I like to read it from time to time. He wrote these words. He says, if a man is going to do anything worthwhile, there are times when he has to risk everything on a leap. And in the spiritual world, Jesus Christ demands that we risk everything we hold by our common sense and leap into what he says. Immediately when we do, we find that what he says fits on as solidly as our common sense. Here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 26, f- a few final scriptures. He said, risk your life and get more than you ever dreamed of. Play it safe and you end up holding the bag. Okay, so what are you going to do with this sermon? Uh, you're going to let it be some good head knowledge, take some notes and go preach it to your neighbor, that's fine. But, but really what I want you to do is I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. I want you to act on what you hear. Take action. Remember, this whole thing of the anointing has, has, has to do with the word do. It means action. There has to be action. What is the Holy Spirit nudging you to do? I want you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Don't say you can't hear him because you can. You can. You can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. James one twenty two from the message says this. I shared this with you last week, but it says, "Don't fool yourself into thinking you're a listener when you are anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other, act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. So fundamental to our faith, fun- fundamentally uh, to our faith, is listening to the word of God." And then responding to the voice of God. So here's my big question. The big question is this. What anointed risk is God nudging you to do? Again, it doesn't have to be massive. I'm going to ask you just to take a second and write it down. Maybe you just just write down something. Maybe maybe it means you're going to pull up a next card and you're going to mark on there, Hey, Jake, I'm I'm coming to the, the project day here in a couple weeks. That is next week, couple, I don't know when. But uh, I'm going to go to City Life 101, or maybe it means just beginning to tithe or whatever. I, I don't know. Maybe it's volunteer for a particular area of ministry. But for you, that's, that's a huge faith risk. And yes, you should. Yes, you should. You should. Maybe it's something that you're supposed to do when you arrive at the job on Monday. And God's been nudging you on it, and now this sermon has brought it to the surface, and you know that's something you've got to take action on. And then I want you to test it, test it, test it. Is it about your name? Is it about your glory? Is it about your wealth? You know, or is it about something God cares about? Now, God may elevate your name. God may give you great wealth. God may you may get a lot of glory in it. But that's if that's your goal, then, then you're going to be really messed up. And and take take it's. I'm just going to call it the Anointed Risk Assessment Test. Three questions on the Anointed Risk Assessment Test. You've already heard it. I'm just. Phrasing it a different way. First one is this. Will it display love for others in the body of Christ? Yes or no? The second part of the anointed risk assessment test is this. Will it bring glory and honor to God? Yes or no? Third. Will it bring justice to the marginalized and afflicted, yes or no? And if you checked yes on any one of those or even all three on those, it just might be an anointed risk that God wants you to step into. What is it? Give about 30 seconds. Just listen to God right now. Listen to God. God speaks to you. Listen to him. take action on what you're hearing. I want you to stand, everyone, in this room. I want to pray a blessing of you guys. I want to pray a blessing of anointing. I Now, hear me. I can't give you an anointing, but God can. And if you'll open your heart to this prayer, God can do amazing things in you and through you far beyond what you may see or what you may even believe about yourself. you just open yourself up to the Holy Spirit right now and just receive this prayer. As soon as we receive this prayer, we're going to sing and then we're going to to be dismissed, but I want you to receive this prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray your blessing over every man and woman and boy and girl, every teenager, every, every young adult. I pray blessing over them because God, you are stirring and you are speaking in our lives and you are telling us some specific things we need to do. And so God, I pray that these won't just be cool things, but this will be anointed risk taking and so I pray for the anointing of God I pray for the individuals in here to be separate to be separated out standing out from the crowd and that there will be such a blessing of God, such a powerful infilling of the Holy Spirit that that when they take action that you can see that God is all over it, God is in the middle of this thing and I pray Lord that you will give your people wisdom to act in wisdom to not react but act in wisdom to act in faith and that God you will do exceedingly abundantly more than all we can ask all that we can imagine according to the power that dwells in us and we want that we receive that so Lord we receive fresh anointing in Jesus name and everyone says everyone says all right God spoke to you I believe he did Hear it, write it, make it specific. Come on, let's sing that song again, Joel. Come on. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.